passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. It is John Pollock and Wei Ting who is here with us as we are embarking on yet another edition of Rewind to Dynamite. So welcome all that are joining us live at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling, where we are live every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday, almost every day. How are you today, Wei? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, John. Not bad. Um, Got to see you briefly. That- that's right. I got to not only see Way today, but I got to see the the star of the Ting family. I got to finally meet Oscar face to face, and boy, was he impressed to see me today. He looked at me, he's <laughs> yes. like, "Okay, you're you're the this guy I've heard of," and the very calm baby way. I have to say, like just chilling in the back seat. Guy could have, uh, yeah. you know, he's just he seems very calm in my uh, in my three minutes of interaction. I'm sure he's like that around the clock. Never. Never, uh, never a peep out of him. I'm sure. I, I, I will say I, I feel like, um, for now, you know, we are actually enjoying a really calm period. Like he, you know, he's not talking yet. He's not walking yet. So, um, I know I expect that to change, but at the moment, he just kind of gives the same look to almost everybody. So, um, yeah. <laughs> how do you how do you like my area? Is it just a nightmare for parking? It gets kind of tough. Yeah, yeah. So, um. It's and it's going to get worse. They're like building condos all around you, and you don't have much of a pathway for for your cars to get out. So, mm. yeah, I'm thinking of moving to Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Quebec, Canada. Um, did you catch that line? No, on, I did not. They said that really. Apparently that that is how they teed up next week's uh, show. Apparently, so I'm <laughs> I'm looking for real estate there. If anyone can direct me, Winnipeg, <laughs> Manitoba, Quebec, Canada. <laughs> There are a lot the, of the, the forgotten province. <laughs> Quebec's really big, so you know if there's a Winnipeg and Manitoba within there, then for all, for all those years we were worried about like uh, separating from Quebec. In fact, they were just looking to join with an existing province and just They've come absorbed. together. They've Much... absorbed various provinces and particular cities. Yeah, it's like let's let's latch on to Manitoba and then <laughs> get rid of the rest of Canada. We don't need the rest of them; they'd be fine. Uh, Quebecoba. Yeah, okay. I, I'm guessing they don't teach much Canadian geography in uh, American schools. It's fine. It's fine. It's cold up here. That's all you need to know. Keanu Reeves. That's it. 
We have uh, plenty to get to on today's show. One of these days, I'm going to start the show and say, we, we've got very little coming up on the next show. We're, we're going to talk about uh, Dynamite, but that, that's about it. There's not a whole lot going on. I do want to make mention, uh, because I will forget this uh, off the top, is we have a new edition of Ask Away, our monthly mailbag show that is up. And I thought that this was a, a, a good one. I thought that we went into a lot of different topics. We... Uh, we get we give we do give plenty of uh of time per question don't uh, don't we weigh yeah um this was like a bit of a letter mailbag so i didn't even know it i didn't I, we don't read the questions ahead of time like i think we only had like what like 10 questions usually we have uh, considerably more but like 10 when i saw that i was like oh this this is going to be a short show um we ended up going like 90 minutes as like we went the same amount of time. We just stretched, you know, like we just got got to ha- spend more time answering all the questions. We got to dive pretty deep. And thankfully, they were 10 really good questions. So uh, I kind of like the format. I almost don't want to encourage people to leave any more questions and just let us, you know, focus on uh, a few instead. But of course you can. Yes. Well, everyone is welcome to uh, submit questions over uh, over the next weeks before we do our next one. We're also going to open it up now to uh, voice memos because uh, it is free to submit your voice memos. And we will take questions that way as well at memo.fm slash post wrestling. We're going to be utilizing the voice memos a bit more in some of our shows. But in particular, it makes a lot of sense for Ask Away. So whether you are a patron or not, you can still submit your question and uh, they'll be included for next month's show as well. And you can also post them up on the forum thread. Uh, We have also, Way and I, have been hard at work putting our heads together for our WrestleMania week coverage. And we're not going to go over everything yet, but uh, we we are planning quite a bit that week. So our WrestleMania week, um, it will be it will be chock full of question of of questions, I hope, but also answers that we will have for you in the uh, coming weeks. But lots of shows coming out that week. Uh, I expect us to be having shows up pretty much on a on a daily basis, covering as much as we can that week as uh Dozens of shows are taking place in and around Los Angeles. Yeah, we're not traveling there this year, but I think that gives us an advantage in being able to watch a lot and to be able to cherry pick from show to show. These, you know, if you go to uh, John's schedule right now at uh, postwrestling.com slash mania, you'll get a full list and there's a lot that's going on. So we'll do our best to, to watch and keep everybody up to date on what the most, you know, talked about shows are, what the most talked about matches are. Um, and it'll be a pretty busy few days for all of us. Yes, we are going to have uh, plenty of reports up on the site, plenty of shows, um, a lot which will be up there for Post Wrestling Cafe members. So if you are uh, looking for an entry point, uh, that will be a week full of shows. And of course, we will be live those nights, Saturday and Sunday, live and free for everyone here on the YouTube channel after each night of WrestleMania. So that's all coming up uh, in the weeks to come. But we have a bunch of interesting news to discuss off the bat WWE has announced that they are going to be going to Puerto Rico for Backlash on May the 6th, which was the date that Brandon Thurston had uh, reported uh, recently. So they will be holding the event in San Juan. This will be the first pay-per-view slash premium live event in Puerto Rico since New Year's Revolution in January of 2005 when Triple H... Uh, won the Elimination Chamber match, if you if you remember. Well, this time it will be hosted by Bad Bunny. Uh, they're running in a, a an arena that uh, has a listed capacity of just over eighteen thousand. I'm sure it will be scaled a bit lower than that for the setup and such. But um, 
this seems like an event that is going to get a ton of publicity because of Bad Bunny and being in Puerto Rico as well. Uh, you know, an area that they 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 do run uh, live events there and have consistently gone there. Um, you know, once or twice a year, but uh, obviously never, or at least not at the scale of a pay per view in uh, since two thousand five. Yeah, I imagine this will. Um sell out pretty fast um you know with with just that level of pent-up demand um i find it really interesting how they're having several you know non i guess you know coastal north american like uh, between this of course saudi arabia and also money in the bank several there there will not be a a ple in the continental u.s from wrestlemania until SummerSlam. yeah i find that really fascinating um and, and clearly, you know, a new strategy as part of a new regime. And um, I don't know why it wasn't attempted before. I mean, that there, there's obviously Saudi is a completely different story. But, you know, as far as like bringing these big scale events to a place like Puerto Rico or to the, to a place like the UK, there is such pent up demand in all of those places. And, and, so and where there is pent up demand. I mean, that was a part that was brought up, the idea of looking at more. Uh, site fees for some of these larger events you have mm. to wonder um is, is that playing a role in any of these shows that um that they're going to areas and they're being incentivized to do so like we saw with clash at the castle that was the the reasoning for it and mm. with the with the o2 arena like i mean they are not just that but smackdown the night before that they are running live in england and and therefore uh will be on tape delay here in the u.s so it's something to uh, look at some of these events that nikon had outlined was something they were aggressively looking towards yeah and they just happened to you know have a very close association with one of the top recording recording artists in the entire world who is a you know probably one of the biggest if not the biggest you know um cultural representative of the entire country or uh and i apologize if if i'm getting some of the uh uh terminology wrong is part of is part of the u.s yes okay so so it's wrong to call it a country yes okay so apologies everybody but nonetheless Bad Bunny is associated with it, and that takes it from just simply maybe being a Puerto Rican event to an event that everybody around the world um, would be interested in. So I, uh, I'm i happy for everybody that gets to see a live event, you know, that hasn't. Yeah, I – do you think that uh, he would perform at this show, or do you feel like he, he is so in demand as, as a performer that he would be uh, – you know, I think you, he'll you, be you, involved you, in a spot th- or two. Yeah, that's like you, you want me to perform. That's that's an extra payday. That's that's its own uh, stadium event. He'll do a few Canadian destroyers, but maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe a song. I, I I mean, he could do everything. I mean, what what does hosting technically mean? It means using him on the show however they deem that they wanted to, and maybe um, if if they ever allowed legalized gambling of pro wrestling in Puerto Rico, they would have to figure out bad bunnies involvement on that show now and lock that result in today uh, Mm -hmm. through Ernst and young. So that's going to take us to our next story, which came out from Alex Sherman, who reports on WWE uh, a a decent amount when it comes to their, their media rights and such uh, with CNBC. And I'm just going to read a bit from his report that he put out on uh, late Wednesday. 
that WWE is in talks with state gambling regulators in Colorado and Michigan to legalize betting on high-profile matches, according to people familiar with the matter. WWE is working with the account firm EY, not Eric Young, to secure scripted match results in hopes that it will convince regulators there's no chance of results leaking to the public, said the people, who asked not to be named because the discussions are private. I love this this idea of <laughs> we're going to have these results under lock and key that will not get out as this uh, very sensitive uh, negotiations is is being leaked to a reporter. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, um, uh, EY, also known as Ernst and Young, have historically worked with award shows, uh, including the Academy Awards and the Emmys to keep results a secret. Um, I'm going to just uh, skip down here. Uh, uh, s- this is just about the the Academy Awards and kind of the the, the parallel they're trying to make WWE is. Mm. A WWE spokesman declined to comment. A spokesperson for EY couldn't immediately be reached for comment. According to a Michigan gaming spokesperson, the Michigan Gaming Control Board publishes a sports wagering catalog. When updates to the catalog are approved, the information is shared publicly through the agency's website. Okay, same here with, with Colorado. If WWE succeeds in its bid to legalize gambling on matches, it could open the door for legalized betting on other guarded secret scripted events such as future character deaths in tv series allowing gambling on certain wwe matches would alter how matches are produced and how storylines are created in discussions about how gambling on wrestling could work wwe executives have proposed that scripted results of matches be locked in months ahead of time according to people familiar with the matter the wrestlers themselves wouldn't know whether they were winning or losing until shortly before a match takes place, said the people. For example, the WWE could lock the results of WrestleMania's main event months ahead of time based on a scripted storyline that hinged to the winner of January's Royal Rumble. Betting on the match could then take place between the end of the Royal Rumble and up to days or even hours before WrestleMania when the wrestlers and others in the show's production would learn the results. What could go wrong? The introduction of legalized gambling gambling could give WWE an increased appeal to a new set of fans while significantly altering creative storylines. Paul Levesque took over as head of creative uh, operations from Vince McMahon last July. So that's sort of the, uh, the the nuts and bolts of this. Again, they are in in talks, it, it seems, with, with two um, states regarding this. And I know a lot of people are going to bring up the, the DraftKings um, agreement that WWE and AEW, for that matter, have. And I am not an expert on DraftKings. Do not use it. But DraftKings, from my understanding, it's sort of... Um, like, yes, it's gambling, but my understanding is, is that it's also somewhat uh, point points-based that they get around. It's not matches that you can bet on. It's all a series of prop bets that is is somewhat different than just outright winners and losers. Um, but but this would be like, this is just, you know, jumping on what, what many sports leagues are with legalized sports gambling and where does professional wrestling fall when these are controllable outcomes and... And how that could obviously be manipulated. Obviously, betting on professional wrestling exists, but we're talking about uh, offshore betting outfits or uh, not in the legalized sense with some of these like gaming control boards in different states. But the fact that it is this detailed in this report tells me that this is more than just kicking the tires on this. They have they would be willing to radically alter how they produce pro wrestling, which Mm -hmm. to me almost gets away from. What this industry is, and first of all, Wade, just some of your overall thoughts, and do you um, do a lot of red flags uh, come up for you here, and do you see this as something even viable as this is certainly in line with WWE's ability to what 
what are we currently doing that can make us more revenue? And sports yeah. gambling is a natural that they would fall under, but mm-hmm. this is not UFC, and that's a whole nother bag of fish because, or bag of worms because we've seen just the problems they have had when it comes to gambling. Yeah. My my immediate reaction to any discussion of professional wrestling and, and gambling, at least, you know, um, maybe outside your circle of friends um, and in and, and some sort of like, you know, uh, legitimate setting um, is is concern. Just knowing how professional wrestling is put together um, and how I guess most of the time, like results are relatively predictable. And, and I suppose that would be reflected in the betting odds. But um, I, I just have a lot of concern because anytime you have people that can dictate the direct result of the thing that you are betting on um there's there's bound to be corruption the idea that they could fix like they could you know set a result in stone and not touch it and keep it locked under this you know what like these these sort of accounting firms is really fascinating to me but one that completely changes like my impression of how professional wrestling is done I, I just... it, it would eliminate it, like it's it's funny because on the one hand, if you are just strictly of the Vince McMahon style of professional wrestling all these decades where the notorious stories of stuff being ripped up the day of finishes to major matches like like The Undertaker, his streak ending and learning the day of like these ideas that, man, if you had something like this that would uh, handcuff you to long term plans. Great. But on the other hand, it's like it completely negates any chance chance of uh, imagine locking in elimination chamber uh, in November and it it and you're suspended from a character catching fire and trying to ride any momentum um yeah. and or it, or, or like, you know, various other reasons why you might want to change a result on the fly. Let's say you get word that somebody is 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 hurt. injured. Yeah, exactly. And they only have enough to, you know, like like the Cody Rhodes, uh, Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell match, for instance. You know, if, Seth, if what if Seth was supposed to go over for, for that one? Um, and, and I suppose you, you in wrestling, you could have had Seth win and, um, you know, Cody just go away. I suppose that that would have been OK. I, it, it just maybe it's not impossible, John. You know, it, ha- it certainly hasn't been attempted yet. Um, and maybe it's 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 actually possible. Um, I'm I'm kind of open to seeing how it could be done because it uh, seems like they're ve- they're very serious about this they are but it, it it to me would be something that it just like it's it, it's interesting because I, I was actually listening to a show today just about the like betting on the academy awards and the thing it's like you have this you know th- this group of voters and it still is like it's it, it's such a small um amount of people that would even have access to something like that. Whereas this, it is like, would this make a writing team redundant? Like how many people would need to know your results um, several months out? And, and then you're plotting the television and your performers are not going to know the direction of, of where you're going. And then it's just, and this industry, especially it's just, listen, there are loose lips in every industry and professional wrestling is certainly um, not, uh, not apart from that it's like finding out like plans in advance um i don't want to say it's like super easy but it's like you come across it fairly like it's like word spreads and i i don't know if that would really 
change all that much here. And it's just I look at the, the James Krause situation in MMA and just look at what they um, just went through that whole saga. And to me, professional wrestling is just so much more rife for for that kind of thing. Yeah. Say nothing of the fact of. You know, talent that would, you know, if you are a lower end talent and there's an ability to uh, monetize information that you will have to be privy to at some point in all of this. Um, it's just to me, there, there's a lot that would come with this that um, I, I just don't know if the, the revenue that WWE would be able to generate from this um, would be would be worth the potential hassles. And they, they clearly think it is if they're going this far. You know, with with entertaining the idea, like it, it tells me that they are willing to completely shift the way that they are, or at least slightly adjust, you know, in a major way, the way that they plan these professional wrestling outcomes. Um, and, and you know, it, there must either be that much money to be made, or they are that confident that they can tell long term stories and stick to their plans. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch. I would. I would certainly question like how how realistic this would be, and ultimately these these state uh, gaming uh, commissions from wanting to get into this. But you know the argument is going to be if you can if you can bet on things like the Academy Awards, if you can bet mm-hmm. on non sports, then professional reality shows, all, all of that stuff. Yeah. And I guess this is just this to me is one that this can be manipulated a lot more than say who's going to win best picture. It's like mm-hmm. you, it's not like somebody can just change the votes to uh, reflect the, the odds to make a killing off of like, it's, it's still um, uh, talent that could easily go against uh, something in, in the ring. Like ultimately they're the ones who have to play these things out on camera. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just to me, a lot of red flags that come up with this, but certainly an interesting story when this popped up and did not surprise me though that um wwe would be looking at at this because i think they look at giant revenue making opportunities uh sports wagering is a huge market that we have seen them dance around with the DraftKings uh sponsorship and the fact that it is something that is out there that already exists there are people wagering money on professional wrestling matches that WWE does not get any cut of when it's these offshore accounts and such. Uh, I want to go to a super chat a bit earlier here. Pete from Texas sends $5. Thank you so much, Pete. He just wanted to clarify that DraftKings has two sites, one legal, one in legal states where you can bet on single games. The original is point based like fantasy football. He also says it sounds horrible. I'm sure uh, referring to professional wrestling being a part of it. Oh, um, yeah. So there you go. All right. We're going to uh, continue on with uh, some of the other stories that are uh, going on here. So on NXT Tuesday night, uh, it was a very interesting show. They shot a bunch of angles setting up stand and deliver. Uh, The big one being uh, a segment with the Grayson Waller effect involving Shawn Michaels. And I thought Grayson Waller was tremendous in this segment. He Mm -hmm. is a very special talent. I think he could be a big player. Um, Obviously, obviously they think so. They put Shawn Michaels in there with him. Oh, I thought Waller was um, he just came off as such a star in this segment and he has for a long time. But I thought this was a really big segment for him. And he was he was outstanding. Like he has become one of the best talkers in the company. Um, He is quickly emerging as a big, big star. And I mean, they did tease the idea of Shawn Michaels coming out of retirement and they were really hinting at that uh but then sean revealed that um you know 
every year they back up a Brinks truck to get me to come out of retirement. But unless unless you've got that Saudi Arabia Brinks truck, that's Sean does not have a price. Yeah, that was not mentioned uh, in in this segment. Uh, no, no, he's like for the last decade he did yeah. state to to for me to wrestle at WrestleMania. But yes, October of 2018 does not exist. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe maybe they'll do a NXT stand and deliver in the future in Saudi Arabia. They'll bring NXT there. I uh, think so. Um, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was. I was. I know the the idea was to you know basically like set up um, Grayson Waller versus somebody and then Sean naming Johnny Gargano as his surrogate. But I was still surprised that they even tease that direction because i think they it, it well in the cwc you weren't really risking anything that's one of the more more obedient you know audiences you could have but nonetheless people watching at home i think a lot of people will will be you know like wanting to see Shawn michaels come back and and like could they have done it without you know no um sort of um reason like or, or at least you know just just to set up this this johnny gargano thing could they have done it because they might entertain the idea of Sean coming back? I mean, it was certainly teased here. I just, I, I really believe like Sean physically is not going to do a match at, at this point. I think Saudi Arabia was his confirmation that this was um, like, what, what were his words? As soon as that match was over, we're too old for this. I mean, I think that the was match his- was bad and, and Hunter tore, tore his peck, you know, um, but Sean, I don't think looked that bad himself. You know what I mean? I I, I just I, I find it strange that they would even go that far to tease a one on one match. Remember all those years ago when he did the Brian Danielson angle and that was so set up that it felt like he had to be coming out of retirement. Like Danielson's there putting him in the yes lock. And even Danielson was thinking like he must be coming out of retirement, but he was not. And, you know, they've they've dangled it every so often. I would say if he was ever going to do a match, it probably would not be on an NXT special unless he was just adamant about helping out this NXT brand. And even then, I think they would. Uh, I, I really do not see it happening. But um, he was one I, I didn't really see coming back either for um, that that Saudi Arabia show. And, and he did it. So you can never uh, completely dismiss it. Maybe maybe him and Mudo together. Uh, maybe. What would you call that team? Um, I'd, I'd need some time. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Johnny Gargano versus Grayson Waller. Um, so yeah. this will this will probably be Johnny Gargano's WrestleMania, and at, you know this year, like maybe maybe the best you can Johnny Gargano could probably For, first time this guy has felt like a star since he returned in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Even with that new uh, remix uh, of, of that song, yeah. Um, who wins? Grayson Waller should win, but. Um, he can also lose the match, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to hurt him all that much. Um, yeah. I'm just I'm very high on on Grayson Waller, but uh, him losing is is fine. Uh, but I I see this guy being fast tracked. Like if this guy's in NXT by the summer, I'd be very surprised. Like I just I think you could say that for for, for a handful of of current people, you know, mm-hmm. in NXT. I mean, for all the flack that 2.0 has had, I, it's a system that at this point, you know, a year in plus has worked to actually develop plenty of guys that, you know, we wouldn't bat an eye if they got called up and I'm sure they would actually be successful. Yeah. By the way, this segment, like just some of the lines that Grayson had, I mean, the crowd's going nuts for Sean as they do for just anyone of note that shows up and Grayson noting that 10 year old him would be losing his mind like these fans, but present day Grayson, he'd be saying, I'd rather be a Bret Hart guy. And 
that just began. And he's just running down Sean, saying that you're treating me just like Vince treated you. You weren't a draw, but you proved him wrong. And now you're holding me back. The only reason you're sitting there in Gorilla is because your best friend had a heart attack. And Sean noting that, well, you make some points here, but... I I stepped in for Hunter because of all he had done for me, and I steer the ship now. And in all of this, it was like Sean never dropped the facade of this like professional wrestling show. It's like you are not being held back because I always hate these in in storyline where it's like, what does being held back mean in a in a quasi sports environment like well, this? Well, in is. the UFC, you guys could complain about being held back if they're not getting the right opportunity. There is, but but Sean tied it here. It's like you're not being held back. You lost a title match at Vengeance Day. You lost the big one, and that's why you are not challenging for the title. And it's just Grayson uh, tearing down NXT. He hates this place. It's the same fans here every week wearing the same clothes. And I'm the biggest box office star. And he wants to drive this brand into the ground. And that's when Sean stands up to him and says, you will not disgrace NXT and these fans. And I would love to beat your ass at stand and deliver. This is after the challenge is made by Waller, but there's someone who wants to kick your ass even more. And that's when Johnny Gargano comes out and attacks Waller and he'll be on NXT next Tuesday as well to speak. And his first appearance since his contract expired. And he gave that farewell speech at the end of 2021. So it's, it's a very solid uh, number two, match for stand and deliver and for some it might be the top match at stand and deliver with Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes also made which was a very good segment mm-hmm. uh, I thought overall Braun Breaker between the segment with Carmelo Hayes and the six man he had like him and the Creeds are yeah. a great trios uh, t- tandem like I mm-hmm. thought they were just uh, terrific together and against Indashir and Jinder, Hall, you're, uh, Jinder Mahal you're not working with the most uh, dynamic trio to begin with but the three of them just with the matching singlets like they had something with those three it's it's it, it feels very natural the moment you see them all together you know of course like the the Steiner's pedigree with uh, amateur wrestling and just stylistically mixing in there with the creeds the fact that they all kind of came up at, at around the same time I mean I don't know how long Diamond Mine is is going to really be sticking around, but this is a trio that I would love to see like be be a long term sort of association, and even all the way up towards the main roster. Because I think it, you know it's almost like uh, Hulk needing you know his friends um, who are a, a tag team. I think they all help each other. And the other segment on the show was the end of the main event where Roxanne Perez defeated Mako Satomura to retain the NXT women's title, but took a beating in the process. And as her arm is being raised, she faints in the ring. Uh, This felt very much a direct copy of the angle that really did catapult Shawn Michaels into that main event babyface with the match with Owen Hart. Are we Hart. just redoing all of Sean's like career a- angles at this we, point? We got the barbershop a few weeks ago. Now yeah. the the collapsing angle. So um, I'm sure Carmelo, the boyhood dream, will come true at Stand and Deliver uh, mm-hmm. potentially. And Somebody I don't know. We'll come back after a you know a several year layoff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Someone someone will be. Uh, scheduled to uh to work wrestlemania weekend and get a knee injury ahead of time mm-hmm. so wow. lot, lot, lots okay. to draw from um yeah but uh, she, she collapses and they they take her out into the stretcher on the stretcher and taken off in the ambulance to end the show so it, it they had previously set up uh tiffany stratton going for the women's title so that is most likely the match that we are getting at stand and deliver 
What? Yeah. Um, wasn't there somebody like challenging her? Um, like, but yeah, yeah, sure. Um, it, it's interesting. Um, I thought it came across pretty well. The the match with Mako Sadabora I thought was okay. Um, maybe maybe the atmosphere wasn't maybe you know made it didn't make it feel maybe as important as I thought it would. Um, but I mean it's it's all to set up WrestleMania weekend anyway. Right. And we also saw Dragon Lee on the on the show for the first time. He was introduced in the crowd and it, it would seem to make sense to have him uh, have his first match at Stand and Deliver as well, which that. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're pretty much getting the, the card um, put put together pretty quickly because you, you only have a few weeks to get this all together. Did you see the Breaker Carmelo Hayes segment? Yes, I did. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. Like they're just going mm-hmm. in. It's not even like Hayes is playing the heel. It's just we're the top two guys of this NXT 2.0 era. And we knew it from the start that we were going to be the leaders of this thing. And our paths have never crossed. And now they are. And this is just it's like number one versus number two. It's yep. the, the top two guys that have never met. And they're going to meet on the big show for the NXT championship. I like just the, the simpleness of it. And it feels like a big match because it's been the match that just naturally as a viewer it's the one that you have been led to want for months it it feels like you know like a hulk hogan ultimate warrior type of situation you know 1a and 1b um and i think a lot more crowd support at this point for carmelo hayes and people wanting to see him get crowned now who's going to win this match um i think will be kind of anyone's guess because i think both of them are you know ready for a call-up um and I wonder. I wonder if Hayes even needs the NXT Championship, or if he'll just get you know a straight call up. So, but I think it makes for a really compelling, big feeling title match for a WrestleMania weekend. MLW filed their amended complaint. Uh, they had three weeks to do so after the the judge had dismissed their initial complaint against WWE. So on Monday, it was a 53-page amendment uh, that, that came in. So to bring everyone up to speed, uh, recently we saw the, the Variety report that had stated that Reels, with this new deal with Peacock, where they cannot air that window of um, the two-hour MLW window along with the two-hour uh, West Coast feed. So it's like four hours that get impacted uh, on on the Peacock streaming version of Reels. So in the Variety report, it stated that Reels was going to be dropping MLW after 10 weeks, which we are at the midway point uh, of that of that period. Now, Reels did not confirm nor deny that 10 week um, timeline, just stating that they are dedicated to having a satisfying outcome for all parties, which I think would be very hard to read if you're MLW, who um, are just seem to be, you know, unknown, like what the fate of their show is going to be after just getting picked up and this, this promotion of a new show for them on, on Reels. So anyway, they had, uh, specified the violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act regarding WWE share of the pro wrestling media market. So instead of uh, accusing WWE of having this um, this gigantic market share of the pro wrestling space, they're trying to narrow it in to pretty much their their ability to control what they cite as 92% of the pro wrestling media market when it comes to uh, television deals and revenue that they generate from those deals. And again, these are MLW and their legal team's estimates that uh, AEW controls about 6% of that pie and less than 2% are spread among everyone else with MLW included in all of that. Uh, they cited the exclusivity, the 
that WWE has on Peacock affecting their deal with Reels and also uh, bringing up uh, historical um, leveraging by WWE when it came to uh, TNN uh, replacing ECW with WWE in 2000, uh, attempting to block ROH from running Madison Square Garden back in 2019 for the Supercard of Honor show, or the the G1 Supercard show, and blocking AEW from running the Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, also trying to hire uh, MLW talent, uh, WWE running events over Labor Day weekend to hurt AEW last year, and interference with MLW's deals with Tubi, Vice, and Fight. So from the uh, amended complaint itself, this is the update dated part they have about the Reels deal. Most recently, WWE's predatory conduct further impeded MLW in its ability to compete in the licensing of its programming for distribution on streaming services and continues to threaten to deprive MLW of its ability to license its programming for distribution on cable. As a result of WWE's misconduct, MLW is at risk of its business being irreparably destroyed. In February 2023, MLW's new media partner, Reels, announced a distribution deal with streaming service Peacock, but as a a direct result of WWE's exclusive Exclusivity agreement with NBC Universal, which prohibits any other professional wrestling programming on Peacock, MLW's programming is excluded from the streaming deal, which further suppresses competition in the relevant market. MLW is also reportedly at risk of losing its cable deal with Reels as a result of the exclusivity. And uh, MLW is seeking compensatory, treble, and exemplary damages arising from WWE's unlawful conduct and injunctive relief. And uh and causing further irreparable harm through its anti-competitive and tortious conduct. So that yeah. is, it seems like they are trying to be more specific as in terms of the the media um, mm-hmm. monopoly that the WWE has. And now this judge is going to have to take this and determine if this is a more relevant case than the, than the prior complaints that MLW made. And if this exclusivity, I mean, is this a case of, Specific to the Reels uh, deal, is this something specific to WWE or Peacock that also entered into that exclusivity and and like what 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 falls upon Peacock as well? Right. Their argument, though, is that simply because they are WWE, they are able to push that weight around. Right. Um, you know, I had wondered if because this is an amendment for something that uh, had began um, at this point, like what, a year ago, like quite a while ago, yeah. if they could mention like a current event like like this reels uh, thing. And I, I, obviously the answer is yes, because the overall argument that they are trying to state is that WWE is such a juggernaut so big that it's impossible for anybody else to get a foothold even in this industry. And um, it's been a very unfortunate series of events for a- MLW, but maybe a silver lining is the fact that they have what might be one of their strongest arguments in this case come up um, as a result of this Reels Peacock thing. Um, is it enough to convince a judge? That's that's a that's the big question. Yeah, to me, the argument would be is like if you are WWE and you are arguing that um MLW it's like it your 
your competition is anything on on television it is not specific to pro wrestling, well, then MLW should be like any other program that exists on reels. Um, you are specifically outlining like they are a competitor to you as opposed mm-hmm. to any other program. On Patrol Live is not competition to WWE and this exclusivity, but MLW is. So that that is one way to navigate this. The other is going to be a judge having to determine, like, is this exclusivity clause um, considered um, fair? Like, if you negotiated this, is this fair practice? And he may very well say, like, this was something WWE negotiated and Peacock agreed to it. And it's Peacock simply holding themselves to their contractual obligation with WWE. And therefore, MLW, there's no... There's no argument that they could be very damaged in this if they end up being dropped by reels, and that's going to be for the judge to determine if that's a predatory action by WWE or simply MLW not being properly informed by reels that we're in negotiations with Peacock that has this exclusivity. Like somewhere in all of this, there was some poor communication that they're launching this competitive brand on reels while at the same time negotiating with Peacock that has an existing exclusivity and relationship with WWE. Like this, in most cases, you would think this would not have gotten to this point where at some point you would say, well, this we're on the precipice of this Peacock deal and MLW is about to launch and we have to make a choice here because we know what's coming with this Peacock deal that represents a lot more to us than what MLW launching on our network is going to be. Hard to know without maybe knowing some of the specifics of, of the timelines or the people working on those specific deals within these you know very large companies. Um I'm I'm very curious to hear the result of, of this amendment. New Japan Cup, the first round is almost over. So thus far, we have got uh, the second round matches of Sonata versus Kenta, Tetsuya Naito versus Chase Owens, Evil against Jeff Cobb, um, with Evil beating Ren Narita earlier today, and then Mark Davis, who beat Toru Yano and will now face his Aussie Open stablemate, Will Ospreay, in the second round. And I was thinking Yano would get the upset here and have a comedy match with Will Ospreay, but in fact, they're going to do the uh, Aussie Open versus... uh... Should have placed a bet on it. I wonder if New Japan is exploring this uh, this newfound uh, revenue potential. Uh, and then on the other side of the bracket, David Finley defeated uh, Tomohiro Ishii on the New Japan anniversary show. He takes on Great Okan, and Zack Sabre Jr. will face Shota Umino. And then the remaining opening round matches take place on Friday with Kyle Fletcher against Yoshihashi. The winner of that takes on Goto. So most likely, I would think Fletcher wins that match uh, instead of Goto versus his partner, Yoshihashi. But... Who knows? Maybe maybe Yoshihashi is going to go on this run after uh, closing off the anniversary show. And then uh, Shingo Takagi takes on Aaron Hanare following the anniversary result where Hanare pinned Takagi and that winner takes on Tamatonga in the second round. So I'm thinking David Finley is going pretty far in this as he seems to be the the massive project at the moment. So if he wins, though, he gets a title shot, right? He would get the title shot on April 8th. I don't know if he wins this, but I do see him going at least to the final four. That would be my guess. Right. Yeah. 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 I Because uh, I don't know if he's ready for a championship match, nor do I think he should be losing a championship. Sumo yeah. Hall is a big venue. And, and and you're right. It's if he is, he might be someone you're earmarking more for the big run in the G1 or, or so, mm-hmm. something like that. Like you could certainly go to Okada and Naito again. You could Okada and Osprey seems a little too early to be going that direction. Cause I think Osprey should be a long-term um, 
you know, going for for the title uh, again. Um, or the idea of even, yeah, I, I think Okada and Shingo, you've kind of exhausted that one at, at this point. So th- there's a few options here, but um, you're, you're certainly looking at, at somebody that you're confident can headline Sumo Hall. And then lastly is the uh, the ratings notes. Uh, I don't believe the NXT numbers are out yet, but Raw did a million eight hundred and twenty seven thousand viewers and a point five two in the demo. So uh, up three percent in viewership uh, first on cable. I would call this a minor disappointing number just in the sense that it's a good number by usual standards. But with John Cena and Logan Paul, to a lesser extent, like this was a big show. It moved a ton of tickets. So you knew that there was a lot of interest in this. Um, But this was lower than Cena's return on Raw last June when they did um, his return in Laredo, Texas, that did um, uh, over 1.9 million viewers. Again, this is still a it's still a fine number, but I would say by uh, the the parameters of a John Cena promoted return, I thought this one might hit 2 million viewers. I thought this was going to be that big of a show, and so a little lower than I expected. What are the reasons related to competition that you feel like might have prevented them from getting the... I mean, I mean, there 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 was some like news coverage, but in turn, like there there was no big sports event going out against them, like on cable, like they destroyed what was next uh, above them. Like they they nearly doubled uh, the next biggest uh, program on, on cable. And then in terms of network um, programming, like they went against uh, The Voice, 911 on Fox, and maybe The Culprit way, The Bachelor on ABC. Tell me, is there a lot of buzz for The Bachelor this year? It was a uh, third for the night. Well, I'm not watching, so oh, um, okay. not not that much buzz in my household, at least. Well, so, oh, is is that who is the uh, the bachelor this season? Yes. Yes. I think his name is Zach. Okay, And uh, China documentary on Sunday night uh, did four hundred and eighty one thousand viewers and a point one four. So kind of in between the uh, the previous two, it was down from the NWO doc, but up from the from the Jake one. And then rivals between Cena and Rock, three hundred eighty seven thousand and a point one two, which is the lowest of the three rivals uh, this season, but identical in the demo from last week's on Mankind and Triple H or uh, Mankind and the Undertaker rivals. Uh, this week, the bio is on Kane. Will you be watching two hours about uh, Glenn Jacobs? No, no. Uh, and rivals will be on uh, Triple H and Batista. And uh, the UFC prelims on Saturday night, they did a million two hundred and thirty four thousand viewers. Um, this was following a really big uh, college game with Duke. Um, so they were second for the night and also did eighty two thousand viewers on ESPN Deportes. And for Saturday night, ESPN had the top 10 cable spots. Not a bad night for for ESPN. So there you go. That is all your latest uh for the record, on Sunday, F1 was uh, number two on cable. Okay. So um, not, not bad for, for Bahrain. And F1's off this weekend and back the following weekend, correct? Yeah, but we won't be off. We'll be talking about Drive to Survive tomorrow in the Post Wrestling Cafe. That is right. Because you know what? Sometimes you, you might believe that um, the best way to watch F1 is on your television. But you know what? I would love to know what... Turkish F1 coverage is like way. And would you have any suggestion on how I could find the Turkish delight of F1 coverage? It's really interesting that you mentioned that um, because, I mean, Turkish F1 coverage is it's the same. Um, at one point, it was considered, though. So, you, you know, you, you know, the F1 TV, right? Yes. 
it's like a like a service it's essentially the wwe network but for f1 like you get to you know watch their archives you get to like you know get the shows and uh the races right after the fact all the qualifying rounds and all that and for a long time turkey would be the place that you would go to sign up for for a cheaper version but um that's since actually been caught so like they've kind of changed that but you can go to other places and that is why we have to talk about our sponsor of this particular podcast nord vpn john as you mentioned it um who doesn't like to save money these days it's really really important to try to penny pinch and really do all you can they announced the uh the, you know uh, an update on the inflation rate here in canada today um thankfully no increase just yet but um you know we're all anxious about it but even without all of that i'm 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 the type of guy who likes to even go through the trouble of signing up for a fake email just to kind of you know save 10 percent through a, a mailing list but um i don't really have to do that a whole lot because uh with something like nordvpn Take, for instance, this past weekend, we all just experienced an AEW pay-per-view weekend. Most of us in North America probably ordered it for 40 bucks. The pro tip, as I've been informed, John, oh man, is that we could have bought this show for half the price by purchasing through the UK or Australia, where it's only 20 bucks. Come on, what, how, how did that happen? You know, I thought we were uh, like, you know, per, uh, per, preferred, um, you know, citizens here. You think John Jones is the only person who can pretend to be British? No. You too <laughs> can pretend to be a Brit through NordVPN. Get your AEW pay-per-view. You could have gotten it at half price. But it's not just AEW pay-per-views. Other subscription services like Netflix or even F1 TV through certain places are available for cheaper prices in other countries. You can even book flights, rental cars, hotels from different places that may offer cheaper prices by disguising your IP. Not to mention all the benefits of being able to watch events geo-blocked in your location and the many cybersecurity features. A Nord subscription costs as little as $3.35 a month. And for me, it's a service that's already paid for itself several times over. This is also the final week where Nord is going to have its 11th birthday offer, where every purchase of a two-year plan will get you an additional bonus of three months or one year added to your subscription. And if you, and if you sign up right now through nordvpn.com slash postwrestling, you also get a bonus month on top of that. So a minimum bonus of four months on all two-year plans for as little as three thirty-five dollars a month. NordVPN.com slash post wrestling. Try it for 30 days and get your money back if you don't like it. Again, NordVPN.com slash post wrestling. Let them know you found out about this through post. Check that out. And if you are traveling and need to hide your IP, please shoot a message to Way and explain why you need to do that. And we will definitely read it on the show. So, NordVPN.com slash post wrestling is where you can go uh, support them uh, to support us. On to our schedule coming up this week. Way and I are back on Thursday. It is Post Wrestling Cafe's F1 coverage continuing as we are going through Season 5 of Drive to Survive. On the docket on Thursday, we are going to be going through Episodes 4, 5, and 6. Correct? Correct. You got it, John. I watched the correct ones. We are also going to be joined by one of our listeners, an F1 expert, JC, who will be on the program to uh, share her thoughts on these three episodes, as well as the opening weekend of the 2023 F1 season as Red Bull were storming into Bahrain. And it was (laughs) as uh, 
as a famous uh, Spice Girl once said, it was Bahraining men in the form of Max Verstappen <laughs> and Sergio Perez finishing yes, one, two. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks to be, you know, a, a season of dominance yet again from Red Bull. But I think most interesting is the battle for second team. And uh, what none of us really expected was, at least, at, you know, last year was what the great leap that Aston Martin has taken, you know, spearheaded by Fernando Alonso. And also, hey, man, Lance Stroll, not not such a joke anymore. You know, he might be the new pri- He might be the GSP of this entire thing. I, Forget I Sammy Zane. Lance Stroll is the Canadian we we need to. I, I did not realize that this man uh, did the equivalent of um, like Triple H gutting his way through a quad tear with his toe injury. My oh, God, a, a, a hand and, and wrist injury. Like so, he, several things seem broken. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll talk more about Lance Stroll on uh, on on the program Thursday. I'm looking forward to this. I I said a few weeks ago that during like the off season, like I'm not really following this. I have realized I am definitely not a transactional fan of F1 and the 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 drama of it playing out on Drive to Survive very entertaining. But during mm. the off season, I'm kind of tuned out. And the second I started getting back into the season, I was glued to my TV on Sunday. I'm texting way. I am so in I'm so back into F1 this week. Uh I'm very excited to talk about Bahrain on on Thursday. So check that out. Postwrestlingcafe.com. And you can also go back uh free episode last week going through the first three episodes with the great Chris Elliott, who will be back before the uh the end of the month as we conclude our Drive to Survive season five analysis. Friday night, we have Rewind to SmackDown minutes after Rampage. You can join us there. A new edition of Postmarks will drop on Saturday with John Ceno chatting with Bruce Lord and David Myers. And a great article up on the site today from Bruce Lord discussing the era of the Switchblade in New Japan Pro Wrestling. From Young Lion to uh, Backstabbed by his longtime friend and enemy David Finley. So a great analysis by uh, Bruce Lord as Jay White departs new japan pro wrestling but uh, all of that and more can be found at postwrestling.com and you can support the site postwrestlingcafe.com many bonus shows each and every week uh coming your way and video.postwrestling.com to see way's pristine crystal clear image oh goodness it's so good especially today uh, but let's give it up also for john pollock's road diary okay getting rave reviews i think you know it, 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 the oscars i think are, are already set uh unfortunately this year but um i think it's getting some buzz for next year so in the best documentary or short film category i think so do check that out right now as well in the patreon the ken burns of post wrestling john that pollock. is it okay yeah <laughs> look out on to Dynamite we go. Tonight's show, Sacramento, California, 5,400 tickets out, according to WrestleTix. Another great crowd in Sacramento. They were pretty lively for, um, I would say, the key parts of the show. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this in, like, the top tier of AEW audiences, but that's still a pretty good crowd, I thought. I thought they sounded pretty good. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little step, step down. I mean, the, you know, from what I hear, the, the capital of California is here. Maybe just people that are a, a bit more serious and, and uh, you know, professional, perhaps, um, than Oakland and, and San Francisco, that rowdy bunch. But still a very good crowd. The opening video was all highlights from Revolution and then Excalibur noted it's International Women's Day. You know what that means. And... Kicking happy things International off. Women's Day. And happy Congratulations to uh, and happy International Women's Day to every female listening to our show right now. Yes. Every every one of you. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, your following of our show. I, I, I don't know what our female skew is. 
but it's like this show is dedicated <laughs> it's, to you. It's, it's very low, but all the more reason for us to celebrate. Orange Cassidy and Jay Lethal for the uh, All-Atlantic Championship. More on that to come. Mm. And uh, this is their third match. So Lethal beat Cassidy last August, and then Cassidy won the rematch in January. So this is the rubber match. And Danhausen is out in a sling, which they said was a result of the 310 to Yuma uh, by the guns. And uh, these are two of the most consistent performers that, I mean, how many of these matches between these two, uh, not even with each other, just on their own, ever miss? I think these are as two as like sure things when it comes to TV matches. Yeah, yeah, I would I would say so for absolutely the the both of them when they're together. Um, I I think for me maybe more pronounced has been Orange Cassidy constantly defending this All Atlantic Championship, and every single one of these matches is almost always good, and that goes for Lethal as well. So the the story of this is that. Lethal gets his shoulder damaged early on, and then he attacks Orange Cassidy's knee with a dragon screw. And this match, like, if if anyone is going to, like, knock, like, Orange Cassidy, like, what a what a completely silly argument at, at this juncture. But, man, yeah. he, like, both guys I thought were phenomenal in this match, and this was so... This was all about selling. It was like who could outsell the other with their injured body part. And that was it. It was a simple match, but the crowd loved it. And it was so engaging um, throughout. You've got um, Orange Cassidy selling and selling. And then the stun dog gets blocked, but he manages a vertical suplex and goes for the diving DDT. But in doing so, injures his knee. And as much as I talked about with like MJF selling the knee on Sunday, this was an extension of that where these two, it was... They're both going for this to either retain or win the title. So they're taking risks, but all of those risks had the backlash of injuring their body part in the in the process of doing so. Though there was a cost to all of their offense. Orange Cassidy goes for the orange punch and his knee gives out. So Lethal applies the figure four. He fights to the rope. They're fighting on the edge. And then Lethal lifts him up for a military press and he drops him on his feet so that his knee buckles. It's like, I don't mm. think I've ever seen that. And what a what a simple maneuver mm. to mess up the knee. Lethal combination. He's holding on to his arm as he climbs to the top for the elbow drop using the bad arm. And Cassidy gets the knees up, uh, further damaging the arm. Then we see uh, Lethal super kick Orange Cassidy's knee. And he goes for the lethal injection. But as he goes upside down, the shoulder gives out and he just crashes down and leaves him open for the orange punch as Cassidy retains in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. Dude, I I love this match. I thought it was so awesome. It was a really, really strong match. Absolutely. Yeah, Um. it's I don't know if it's kind of uh, unfortunate, but it's hard for me to remember like some of the other ones. I mean, the most recent one was, was January. And maybe it's because the quality of these Orange Cassidy matches have been all like pretty high that it just kind of blends in at this point. Um, but this was no exception. And if somebody said this was the best of the three, I wouldn't really disagree because I think psychologically this was incredibly strong. I thought Lethal's, not just his selling of his shoulder, but I thought his work over Orange Cassidy's leg uh, leg was was very strong and very, um, you know, varied and, 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 and exciting. And I I think it's a match that, mm, despite being a, r- a rubber match, 
was missing the sizzle and the anticipation. And part of that is because we're just coming off of a pay-per-view. So they haven't exactly had a whole lot of time to really tell the story. I also feel like it might be something just with Jay Lethal where like, as I think consistent in ring as he is and as successful of a heel team, he's formed with Jeff Jarrett right now. I kind of feel like throughout his almost entire career, he's kind of had a thing where uh, people respect what what he does, but I don't know how excited they necessarily get. So um, is that something that, you know, um, is on its way to changing? When this match was announced, um, there I, I saw a bit of criticism for it, for people thinking that they had already seen enough of it, um, but I don't know how anybody could come out of this complaining at all because yeah it was a very strong match i i thought this was easily the best match on the on, on the whole show i i i thought it was really really solid stuff and lethal took the golden globe afterward and bryce is following up the ramp and that leaves orange cassidy in the ring alone as jeff jarrett sneaks from behind hits the stroke and then breaks the the guitar over orange cassidy's knee best friends run down to chase jarrett away who had a ton of heat and this will set up next week's title match that we will get to later in a very interesting segment. Um, Has Jeff Jarrett had a singles match in AEW? A singles match. I believe he's had a singles match. Okay. Well, they, they seem pretty rare. And, you know, Jeff Jarrett versus Orange Cassidy almost feels like something that like we would have seen um, at spring break, um, maybe not that long ago. Um, but there's no kind of... So let, let's look it up here because I'm actually curious. I have a cage match and... I don't know if he's had a singles match thus far in AEW. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, it's all been tags. So tags hey, and deal. battle royals. Yeah, and and I, I mean, I think in terms of stature, um, I'm curious to see what this looks like. Again, Cassidy I th- has been incredibly consistent. Jeff Jarrett has surprisingly been very entertaining and I think very effective in his role in a tag team. What can he bring in a single setting, and can this match live up to the standard that Orange Cassidy has set for this run? Yeah, it's um, I think it'll be, you know, I go to say it'll be a very different match from the Jay Lethal one, but it might not be all that different. You're obviously going to be working on the knee again, and it's going to be um, mm-hmm. and, and there, there's certainly the possibility of a title change. Yes, yes. Yeah. Hey, man, who better to maybe take the you know house show title than the guy putting the house show? Together? I mean, it's a belt you can certainly have on the road with uh, with a double J internationally. They showed the video that Wardlow had posted of someone breaking into his rental car and stealing everything in it, including his uh, championship belt, his gear, his boots, and he and he cut quite the promo um, on in his uh, online video afterwards. He was going to, if he found the person, he would break their jaw, which would be shattered like the windows in his car rental. Mm. I hope he got the insurance on this thing. On the title or the car? On the car. I hope he checked oh, that I box. Oh, I hope so too. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Um, I usually so, decline it. <laughs> you're taking a risk, and I know most of the time I think you'll be okay. Um, but you know, th- thank goodness you're not TNT champion. You know, um, this isn't the first time a TNT ch- or AEW championship has has been stolen. Of course, uh, no, Jer- Chris Jericho famously. It's now wow. an official AEW belt. It's it's got <laughs> it's officially been indoctrinated. They really should have stolen the All Atlantic. I mean, it, you know, it's going to get renamed and replayed it anyway. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, stolen. Um, but I love the fact that they kind of used it as part of the story. And, and it just made this overall like title match feel kind of that much more significant and special because of all the circumstance. Is this is this stolen title going to show up on WWE programming? 
<laughs> well, the, um, would would Wardlow go after the person wearing it if if he's promised to break their whatever, break their jaw? I, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, they they did what they could here and just kind of like it, it naturally feeds into um, a story like that this mm-hmm. was uh, set up to be. I mean, you even had Samoa Joe joking about, you know, that that he was behind it and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, what, what else are you going to do? No, you play with it. You play with reality and, and turn a story out of it. Renee. She did about 5,000 interviews on this show. The first one was with Powerhouse Hobbs, who says it's unfortunate what happened to Wardlow. His life is in shambles. Is his life in shambles over over the like this sucks to get you like your rental broken into and your gears gone. But is your life in shambles from a car break in? Well, he lost his hair as well. You you have to remember that. Yeah. Okay. I think he's okay, like in the in the grand scheme of things. Like, well, after tonight, I guess you you could ask him again. Yeah, but th- this this preceded the the result. He says the only thing Wardlow has left is his championship, and I'm taking that tonight. And I was like, he actually does not have that. Uh, he he said he you ha- he has the title of champion. He has the title of he is. Yeah. But so where how did they explain why there was this this new belt already created tonight? Like did they they couldn't have made a belt like overnight. I think they must have backups. Like they must have TV belts, and then but yeah, from what I hear about WWE, like they they have the ones that travel with, for this specific occasion. Like if somebody forgets it, if it gets lost in in the luggage or something like that, yeah, yeah. Always have the backup TNT title. They can just go to the merch stand too and probably get it. That's know. that's true. You probably have like eighty fans in your arena that are TNT champions that you can borrow <laughs> the belt from. Ricky Starks is out. He said he's been having a hell of a week in California. Beat Jericho. He's not sure what's next for him uh, or where he's going to go next. And with that, the Bullet Club theme plays. And you've got the whole crowd buzzing because I think they were assuming maybe this is Jay White. Uh, but it is instead Juice Robinson. <laughs> On the scale of like Bullet Club members, you know, like how what where does where does Juice Robinson rank at this point? Um, above Chase Owens and below, um, <laughs> below El Fantasmo. Yeah, I would I would say maybe significantly below. Um, so you know, J- Juice Robinson is in AEW. Everybody, like we, you know, we we kind of forget, but um, thank goodness they have this relationship with New Japan, and he's able to use that logo <laughs> as part of his gimmick now. Because unfortunately, it's all Juice Robinson has. And if there's any interest in this interaction, it's because they saw that logo. So he hits Ricky Starks with the left hand of God and spikes him with a DDT. So that's yeah. uh, for everyone that was just couldn't wait for Ricky Starks to be done with uh, with one of your top heels. Well, here you go, everybody. He's on to Juice Robinson now. So there you got it. Brand new, fresh program, everyone. Hey, listen, part of the complaint of last cycle was the fact that they spent too long with Jericho. And I mean, sure, Ricky Starks has a, you know, Tony probably has big plans for Starks at double or nothing. You don't need to get to it first week. You know, you could you could spend a few weeks with the Juice Robinson, let him rack up the wins and then get to the big program. So let's see where this goes. How how does Juice feel about a Finley led Bullet Club? How does Juice feel about a Finley led Bullet Club? Yeah. Has he has he commented? Well, they're in the same faction, and then last they were not friends. Um, I yeah, I guess this is uh that 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 has to play out. Yeah, maybe maybe Ricky Starks can be moderator for 
for the two to come mm. together. Uh, I just see a lot, a lot in Ricky Starks. I could see this guy being your your top babyface in, in the in this company. So mm. I we will see. Juice needs to have something big because he is very much a background player, and um and maybe he's this, not going to ascend to much. This is I don't anticipate this being much more than just you know like a relatively simple win. But I hope it's more than that because you're right. Juice Robinson, you know, it's rare that he gets airtime, it seems. And I think he he could promo. And if these two can, you know, have a nice little dance and find a, a little bit of a, a feud coming out of it, I could do it could do a whole lot for the both of them. Shivani interviews Wardlow, who's been a he he's borrowed an FTR shirt because all his luggage is gone. He asks for a Falls Count Anywhere match tonight with no disqualifications, and he might phys- he might not physically have the title, but he's still the champion, and no one on earth will take that from him. Renee brings out Ruby Soho, who walks out with Soraya and Tony Storm, but then Ruby comes into the ring by herself, and the crowd is booing Ruby, and she has told she has asked why why did you do it on Sunday. And she says the fans created this monster. I was like, oh, great, the fans. But then she went on to give a whole backstory here. She said her first title match in AEW was against Britt Baker at Grand Slam. And the audience was thrilled that she lost. And you even have the fans here chanting DMD. Then I faced Chris Statlander in the semifinals of the Owen Hart tournament. And what was the response? You booed me out of the damn building, which was very true. And everyone was second guessing having Statlander lose to her. And then Jamie Hayter pins me at Revolution and no one was going to no one was going to be upset that I lost no one at AEW was going to appreciate me so I had to do it for myself I like the uh, I liked all of this but I love this line that it was the ending of the match that triggered it for her yep. because it gave you a reason why she was fighting Jamie Hayter for the, the whole duration of the match and then aligns with her moments later she yep. realized in that that I am better off with these two than against them because who am I fighting for? These fans that have no they they have no love for me. They're they're rooting for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And she says that Tony Storm wasn't appreciated by this company. They didn't even label her a real champion. You fans begged Soraya to come out of retirement, and then at the first chance, you fat neck bearded trolls came at her at a moment's notice. And the outcast, they've been outcast since they arrived, and you can't build a division on a broken foundation. You can only start new. And the broken foundation is with homegrown stars and entitled rookies. So bring out that entitled rookie, Sky Blue. This was a tremendous promo from Ruby Soho, and the most um, enjoyable segment of this outsiders, freelancers versus homegrown stars segment they have had since they kicked it off. Like, it, it put everything into its focus for for one segment yeah yeah it this was the promo this entire program very sorely needed this is the promo that soraya and tony should have cut themselves the week right after they turned heel and i'm so thankful that finally somebody representing this faction and really representing this entire storyline has given us a mission statement they have given us an understanding of what exactly it is that separates these homegrown people from Excalibur actually briefly called them freelancers. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know how they're freelancers like, but whatever. Okay. Free, free, free. That'll be their group name, but the the, the, tier three contracts. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. 
But I'm so thankful that like these writers and especially like whoever came up with the segment, they finally made it clear why there's a reason for a feud here and good delivery from Ruby. I thought as well, you know, I I don't really recall her being a heel since the riot squad. And I barely can even qualify that as being heel work because that was just, it felt like somebody trying to, I don't know, play. They were, they were like, what were they spray painting then too? So she's yes. very familiar with <laughs> spray paint, but that was just a much more kind of like, I don't know. That was, that was awful. This was the first time I feel like I've seen Ruby on national TV feel like an actual compelling heel. And I would argue this might might have been her best promo period, in, at least in AEW. Probably in WWE as well, because I can't remember any, actually, that are significant. Um, I This was very positive for the feud. I'm actually excited for this feud now, or at least to see what's next. So, yeah, big win here. The only thing I wanted more was... I was on the verge of victory, and I could not contain my excitement. And what did you fans do? You made me a meme. (laughs) (laughs) She did not mention that. No, That would have been great. Maybe the only thing for this heel character is that that theme song, though, it's it's so like I'm almost hoping that get rid of it. They do. They need to Johnny Gargano that theme. Oh, wow. Just so have like, a terrible cover of Destination or of Ruby Soho. They, they got to get David Guetta to remix <laughs> Ruby Soho, the ultimate heel move. Oh, my gosh. So Ruby Soho and Sky Blue. Uh, Excalibur says that Ruby has selective memory. Taz sees that she has a point. And Tony just says, Ruby needs to get over it and move on. So uh, she runs Sky into the post. Blue is on wobbly legs and takes an enziguri. And then there's an STO to Blue. They go through the break. Blue makes a, a comeback, hits a spin kick off her knees and a high cross. But then Ruby stops the code Blue and pulls her by the hair to set up Destination Unknown for the win in six minutes and 50 seconds. Fine match, but the promo was the the star of Ruby Soho's night. The the match wasn't necessarily something that I think anybody was supposed to get excited about. Um, it was more just a, a re-debut for Ruby Soho and, and to show that she's got a new edge now as this heel. I thought it was exactly what it needed to be. And, you know, Sky Blue is a generic but effective choice for this role. Somebody that the crowd likes and somebody who's clearly a homegrown talent. So it sets up the post-match as well. And Saray and Storm came and they were about to they, they started uh, spray painting sky blue when Willow Nightingale runs down and she's trying to convince Ruby not to go down this direction. And Saray and Storm jump Willow from behind and she is hit with no future by Ruby and they end up spray painting both Willow and sky blue as they are called these outsiders, these freelancers. That's what they should be complaining about. The fact Man, that imagine really- Hall and Nash, the freelancers. <laughs> well, I mean, I would be pissed off too if I've I've, I've been freelancing this entire time. I haven't been offered a full time contract here. So they invoice um, Tony after each segment. <laughs> yeah, um, I like this a lot. You know, not only did um, Willow here uh, come in very organically, it made sense now why she would have motivation to join. The homegrown. They got to come up with some some better names for, the, for these factions. But I also love the fact that like uh, Ruby name dropped Chris Statlander as well. And now you build up that anticipation. You build up a backstory that's already there for why Chris Statlander would join the homegrown as well. There's a lot of um, motivation now for and the and the and the sides are like clearly divided. We know why they are fighting. So that's that's what I'm most excited about. Yeah, they they got quite a quite a bit out of this. I thought this was um th- yeah, the the best segment that they have had involved in this whole program to date. 
Renee, who is constantly on hangman duty to interview him. This this being days after this man hung her husband over the ring to try and choke him to death. Uh, he's all busted up in the face here and says that all is well in his soul and his heart. After the Texas death match, he had to go into that match with a black heart. And he warns others that he'll take them to hell until life leaves their body. And Renee, I've given you a lot of flack over the weeks, and I apologize for what you had to see on Sunday. Renee just like nods to the camera like this. This was like the equivalent of, you know, I'm really sorry that I ruined your husband's no hitter in the bottom of the ninth with that single I hit. Like that was like with the Renee's like, yeah, it's uh, I understand. I understand how these things go. Um, he says it's not his fault, though, and he is done with John Moxley mm-hmm. or is he? Or is he? Yeah. Um, I I think the Renee aspect of this entire thing um, has maybe added a certain level of like um, maybe realism attached to it because I think Renee has been playing it so really well. Like she she's able to kind of like show a bit of nuance in expressing that she she's been through this before and her husband is her husband. She's you know had her grief in the past and she's almost like over it and she's kind of almost she gives off the vibe that she's like mentally like severed from you know caring about her husband in this way because she knows nothing she could say will stop him um it's added a lot some of that to to these interviews but i hope she's done with this because i think they're they're using it too much and for me like it it definitely felt like too much when she was actively talking and trying to break down this feud on the buy-in and at this point i i just I think it almost just like makes these unnecessarily awkward and I don't think it adds anything. I feel I feel it's such a hard rule for her because I think it almost is. any way she goes it's it's going to be so um analyzed. Like it just mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's totally unfair, but even on the pre-show when she's referring to him as John Moxley, it's just like it's so weird that she is talking about her husband, like with his first and last name. You know what I mean? Like, would your wife ever be referring to you as waiting? So again, like that's where I think she really, it's clear to me, like she thinks a lot about it and, and, and she's trying to find the balance of like, you know, having to play a professional broadcaster who has to, you know, with, without bias, talk about her husband who also happens to be a competitor while also subtly showing concern without Mm -hmm. revealing it onto the camera i think she does a good job of it but you're right the fact that she's a part of these segments like makes us and like break it down too much you know we're we're, we're thinking too much and we're questioning it too much and and it's almost just too distracting then we had a a video covering the iron man match and it's mjf doing a a post-match promo in the back with a tear in my eye I thought he was going to do the flare speech here. He says that the fans should have their brains checked if they thought Danielson would win. He is the devil, and it's time to celebrate because Daddy is single in San Francisco and notes his birthday next week. A lot of birthdays coming up next week, and he's going to be in wretched Winnipeg, and he is going to have his re-bar mitzvah in Winnipeg, which could be a tremendous segment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Really strong post-match promo from NJF here. You know, face still full of blood after the the Iron Man match. And uh, I've never been to a bar mitzvah. So have you been to a rebar mitzvah? I haven't been to a bar mitzvah, period. Have you? I don't think so. I well, I'm excited. Do I'm I have to, forward to dress up week. in a certain way? You might get invited. Maybe. To Winnipeg? Well, I think we're all invited. We'll all be watching, right? Anybody watching on I guess PBS so. will. 
Do you think he did this promo with uh with with, with pickle juice on his breath? <laughs> yeah, was this before? Dude, down a lot of pickles, man. It was like uh, a little dude, uncomfortable. Was, it was quite the promo for those pickles. You know, he was talking about those like they were the greatest thing in the world. And if you were to advertise your food, I mean, clearly these post pay per view press conferences. Did, didn't we have this discussion at, at Schwartz's? You're not a pickle guy. I like pickles. I like pickles it, a lot. Is it Davy that's not a pickle guy? So, someone was not uh, a fan of pickles. I don't as, know, as I recall. Maybe it was. It could Davey. have been. It could have been Jesse or 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 Davy. Tony Schiavone brings out FTR. My God, was Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood uh, popular in Sacramento? That's an understatement. And uh, and boy, did they know how to take a an audience and just milk it. Like they're they're getting on the turnbuckle and just this crowd gets to their feet. It's a standing ovation. It was a hell of a response for them. They mentioned how bad the last couple of months have been with all the losses as well, losing one of their best friends in Jay Briscoe. Uh, but Cash says he can't sit at home in good conscience and let the guns refer to themselves as the best tag team in the world. But he's quick to note, you guys are very good and you're the future of the division, but you're also spoiled and entitled assholes. Your father gave you everything. My father couldn't give me those advantages or a job with a company, but he taught me how to be respectful and I'm going to teach that to you. And then Dax, Dax takes over, does my favorite. He wants to just tell everyone, I love all of y'all, all of y'all. And he says, you never left me when I felt I couldn't be loved. And we closed off the year with the greatest trilogy of matches of our careers. But the guns robbed us of our last memory with one of our best friends. Because if you remember, this was the four of them in the ring after the dog collar match. And that's when the guns jumped FTR after right. that match. Yes, yes, yes. And that was when they were going to have like the, the like their their closing moment with the crowd. So now it's all about retribution for the guns. A great segment with FTR setting up the tag title match at some point. I, I don't think this is one you can... Uh, for what it's worth, and I think people are going to be skeptical of Dax Harwood and what is uh, what is legit or not, but he is stating that nothing has changed regarding his contract status for April. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We haven't spoken a whole lot about um, maybe all of that. Um, how, what's how what how do you feel about it? The, it just the fact that it it, it could possibly be, be a story. Um, like, are we thinking too much of, about it? Are we debating it too much? And is that the intent of? You know, oh, it's absolutely the the intent, but no different than MJF. That I think you have to be of of under the impression that there is a the likelihood that this is just that deals are in place. Like you have yeah. to be open to to that, and also the, leave room for that. It it could be it could be legit. Like there there is that possibility, and and they're going to play on that. I think they they want that. I, I would also argue that I. I think you sometimes, if if you are working this, which you know certainly they were with all like the uh, the observer graphic and uh, AEW mm-hmm. being upset with it, like certainly Dax is uh, enough that he is going to use his platform to work his angles, um, right. and that's fine. But then if you are telling the truth about something, you're not going to have that that buy in from your audience. There's going to be that natural skepticism of everything that you do. Sure, sure, yeah. Um, you know, just strictly speaking about the on-air product, I thought great stuff from FTR here. A crowd that still uh, loves them more than than ever, and I think, um, you know, pretty much the obvious angle here in being able to somehow tie the emotion attached to a, a very real, very significant event in the in the passing of of, of Jay Briscoe to 
their motivation to want to beat up the guns and to win the championships, I think creates for immediately a very strong story and a very strong case for a championship contention uh, match. So um, immediately, I think the tag division feels like it's, it's refreshing with FTR back in the mix. Yeah. And as as I mentioned, like a great, um, again, if you've got FTR beyond this, this period, um, it seems a natural that eventually FTR teams with Mark Briscoe, like, I think that's just such a natural. It writes itself. If they're sticking around, yeah. It, that's it, of course. Renee is with Jade Cargill and Layla Gray. She's 53-0. She has no challenges left. She's beat everyone here in the U.S., so they're going to Canada next week. So she wants to take on a whack-ass Canadian. I find it interesting that she she can actually, like, they can feel like they she can get away with saying she has no challenges left. When half this roster, I feel, has, like, not interacted with Jade Cargill. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, have we had a Britt Baker match? Have we had no. a Tony Storm Jade Cargill match? Have we had a Soraya match? Have we, like, have we had a Ruby match? No. no so, no. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know what where she's looking for her challenges. But Well, they're um, freelancers. She needs people that are under contract to the network. True. Right. Yeah. Of course. Well, Jamie Hayter. Um. Maybe she's a freelancer, too. Let's see. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so who is the, who is the whack-ass Canadian? Um. The bunny is, uh, for, from all accounts, like probably the only regular that that's um, in the women's division. Uh, there are other names, of course, they could pull from. You know, from impact. You know who would be. You know who would be a great one, but I, I just don't know if it would have the. Um, I, I don't know if Lufisto? it would be, Lufisto would be a cool name to do. I think she, it would just be such a great moment for her. I don't know if it would be the biggest surprise for enough people, but it is a name I would think Tony Khan would 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 consider. Yeah, and I wonder if like Winnipeg would, would recognize it enough. Um Courtney Rush is also uh, Rosemary is also from Winnipeg, I believe. Mm-hmm. Courtney Rush. Um I mean, and I feel like she's she's recognized and and, and well known, known enough that like she would get a pretty big reaction. Uh, but I don't know if they've brought in too many people from Impact recently. Anyway, yeah, let the speculation begin. But it, it very likely could be the bunny. Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia against AR Fox and Top Flight. Uh, we have Menard and Parker out in the corner. Um, AR Fox was really good in, in this match. He uh, he did this roll into a double cutter on Garcia and Guevara, then another to Garcia. It sets up a deadlift German by Darius, and then Jericho's in, runs into a one-man Spanish fly by Darius. Dante dives onto Garcia on the floor. Fox hits his implosion senton onto Guevara and Parker, and then Jericho stops the Rana, tries for the walls, but Darius counters with an inside cradle, and it's Hager nailing Darius with a bat from the floor that sets up the Judas effect and the win uh with jericho pinning darius in nine minutes and 42 seconds you know i like the fact that ar fox is continuing this uh, trios team with uh top flight they seem to be in a position now where there's kind of like your the team that you beat to showcase your trios that you're actually serious about pushing unfortunately um i you know it seems to be top flights like kind of only role here in, in in the company and someday, how much how much of the three hundred thousand dollars do you think they still have left i hope they invested all of it you know i, I mean come on I, the, those paydays aren't aren't oh. easy to come by that should be they, their team name compound interest yeah you know buy some index funds and just you know like just watch watch that stuff grow it's our fox with the gic lovely yeah you're, you're thinking of another um gimmick 
um, that I'm sure will be debuting uh, at some point. Um, you know, AR Fox especially, I think, continues to really stand out in, in these sort of matches. Uh, he They're getting a lot of airtime. So, mm-hmm. you know, eventually the, I think they'll be they've already built up enough crowd support for people to want to see them get pushed, but someday it'll happen. That could also be their trio's name, Airtime. (laughs) Very nice, yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, uh, shoves the JAS up there. I'm sure people are happy to see JAS officially move on from Ricky Starks. Yeah, they get on the mic afterwards, uh, Parker noting that they are that it was the greatest trios victory in AEW history. What you had just seen, Menard brings up it's the one year anniversary of the group, and that line could not have been delivered more uh, in more of an entertaining manner than Matt Menard delivered it for the audience. And Garcia says they should be the number one contenders for the trios belts. Angelo Parker also said, um, "Light the beam," which is the. Uh, catchphrase of the sacramento kings because they have like a giant purple beam that they light up from the arena and the whole crowd started chanting this yeah i thought he had said light the bean uh which might be something something else uh <laughs> but um light the beam it's yeah you learn so much you know from these uh, sports teams as I'm it not sure a, beats uh what go leafs go i mean wow who who came up with that one it's i uh, light the beam sure yeah Jericho calls out the House of Black, and the lights go out, but when they turn on, the Elite is there, and Kenny Omega explains that him and Jericho, they've stayed out of each other's way for the better part of three years, and they've, they, he feels that it's been out of respect to, to leave each other alone. And Don Callis interferes uh, and says that the, uh, the Elite established the trio's belts. They are the rightful number one contenders. And Chris, I've been friends with you for 33 years, and I agree. You're one of the best wrestlers ever, but you're only the second best wrestler from Winnipeg. And the crowd boos this, and then Callis says, and if I had a few months to train, you'd be number three. Great so the, line. Yeah, Great very line good line from Callus. The lights go out again, and this time Malachi Black is with the, the House of Black on the screen, stating both teams are equally deserving to be humiliated in their hometown. The lights flicker. Now they're in the arena, and he says to come get them. Huge reaction with the, uh, the realization that this crowd in Sacramento gets to watch this match on TV next week. From the comfort of their home, as uh, we will get a three-way trios match for the trios belts. I really thought we were going in the direction of just elite versus uh, JAS, but they are—they're doing the big title match uh, next week on television, which is—that's a lot of bodies in, in there. The nine yeah. people that you're going to have involved, and they have never done this in uh, the short history of the trios division. Yeah, so for that reason, it—it it, it has my curiosity. Like, what does a three-way trios match look like? What chaos. Busy. Very busy. Busy. But if you can trust busy with any anybody, I think it would be like, you know, this, this, this group. Th- think about the talent of these nine that are in there. Oh, like incredible. that's it's going to be yeah. it has the potential to be incredible. And you're going to have a tremendous crowd. And I guess our first Jericho Omega interaction in AEW, if I'm not mistaken. Um, No, they had the match, didn't they? Didn't, wasn't there a Jericho Omega match? Uh, Jericho versus Omega AEW. By the way, uh, Ruby Soho um, lost to Jade Cargill in the uh, TBS title tournament, so that match occurred. Uh, d- double or nothing, 2019. Oh, of course, of course, right, right. So there was that, yeah. Um, and then like Stadium Stampede, like 
all this. Okay, stuff. well, th- well, thank you. Uh, there, there we go. In a, in a long time, okay. In a, in a long, long time. time, yeah, yeah, and and like it's never happened in Winnipeg. That's significant. So I, I felt like that would have been enough. But I mean, not everybody is going to care about the Winnipeg aspect of it all. So, so, but this also tells me that like we're not going to get another singles rematch from the Elite versus House of Black. This this seems like it might be their their rematch, unless of course they win, which I'm. I guess it could go either way. Who do you wait, 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 wait a second. So yeah. So next week is it like, do we get us like a one-on-one trios match coming out of this with either of the teams? Well, the, the, the natural would be that, you know, one team loses and the other is not beaten that you could, you could continue it. So I, I could certainly see potentially this being the direction for JAS after this. Like, I don't know if you've, you know, you you could spin off into multiple directions from next week. That it doesn't have to be necessarily one and done. What I'm curious about is uh, is will next week be the end of the elite as a trios? You know, if they lose that that ch- title challenge, is that when they would break up? I don't see them breaking up. I just see them going in different directions, but still having the unit that That's you can always I mean. go back to it. Yeah, like right. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that it, it could certainly uh, go that way. Then we go to a backstage segment where Tony Khan states that Orange Cassidy has requested the match with Jeff Jarrett next week, and he is granting it. It will be the fifth and final defense of the All-Atlantic Championship on international soil. It's also the only title to have changed hands on international soil when Cassidy won it in Toronto. So in partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery and Shazam Fury of the Gods, this will become the AEW international title as we level up the championship. Now, he explained this. This is the one of the only times I have had to rewatch a segment on AEW. I had to I thought, take time out to rewind. I was like, what did I just listen to? What, <laughs> what does Shazam Fury of the Gods have to do with renaming this championship? Like, what, what is this partnership? And what are... Um, like I get it, we've got a tie-in here with a with a big DC film, and they they aired a trailer after this with Cassidy and Jarrett cut into the trailer with highlights. So uh, I guess this is a great promotional spot for them. But um, yeah, there it, uh, an Excalibur rundown of like fifty matches was a bit easier to understand, unfortunately. Like I just well, didn't know what he was explaining here the bottom until line is, I reread you, it. They showed the graphic; you understood that the title was getting changed, but it, it, I thought it was a very poor. You know, and take it from a guy who's done a few live reads at this point. I thought it was a pretty poor, like, you know, just kind of like wedging in of like a a, a, a commercial tie-in that like only served to maybe confuse. Um, and the fact that he said like we was trying to like say all this stuff about like this being the final international defense of of this All-Atlantic Championship, like initially made it seem like the All-Atlantic Championship would be continuing, but just no longer it would be exclusively defended in the U.S. or something like that. Um, the phrasing, I'd certainly feel it could have been been better with with all of this stuff and, and the kind of um, product placement I thought was a bit forced. Tony is not the pitch man like he is. Like that is the role of a of a Renee, of a Tony Schiavone. You have people that I think could hell, you could have had fun with Orange Cassidy delivering this message. And and, and he let Adam Cole take over the all access announcement, you know, probably because he understands that. But there is like sort of like an official like authenticity that you get when you have Tony Khan, um, who's not a polished, you know, honored presenter convey it. 
I think it's fine to have him do it. I just think the script probably needed to be a bit more concise and clear. So, yes, after this All-Atlantic title was introduced and everyone questioned the name for about a week and then never said another thing afterwards. All these months later, now we're going to change the name of it. And now it's the international title. I thought they were going to name it like the Shazam title or something. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounded like, yeah. Who is the Fury of the God? Who has drawn the Fury of the God? Is it Jeff Jarrett? Yes. Shazam! Is Jeff Jarrett going to... Are Cassidy and Jeff Jarrett going to have to cut promos? This was, like... What followed this was maybe the most surreal thing about it. You know, it was just seeing, like, this Shazam trailer. And to see Jeff Jarrett in my... Shazam Fury of the Gods trailer. Sorry, I thought you were talking about going from Shazam Fury of the Gods to Brian Danielson on the on the brink of his uh his mortality. So that's what we come back from. It is Danielson's post-match uh interview after losing the Iron Man match, and he's on the floor, he's beside himself, stating, I always thought I was doing this for my kids and teaching them if you love something, you have to fight for it. But Max was right. And He believed in fighting and fighting and never giving up. But then I found myself in the label lock and my instinct was to fight. But then I lost the feeling in my arm and I realized MJF was right. I was putting myself in front of playing with my kids. And there they have a shot of him in the ring playing with his kids. But tapping out to choose to be healthy for his kids made him more ashamed than anything. And now it's time to go home. So... Of all the BCC members who are going to get that fishing trip, it's going to be Brian Danielson ahead of John Moxley, who's going to get his vacation. Yeah, I fishing. Like, isn't he like a vegetarian or something? He he used to talk about like collecting like clams and stuff on the on the. He was into that for a while and stuff. He's um, he's Ims. Yeah, he was seriously like wanted to go on some like uh, anyway, I, I, I can't remember all of Danielson's uh, interesting hobbies and such. But uh, yeah, so um, Danielson is either going home and uh, and probably coming back a heel. Maybe I think like if you're, if you're following like this BCC story and where maybe Danielson's turn is coming. It seems like they specifically, you know, had Danielson exit the group so that he wouldn't have to be caught up in a heel BCC. And and if that's the play, then I think it's a brilliant move because I think people are going to have a much harder time booing Brian Danielson than they will any of the other members. I thought this was a tremendous promo from Brian Danielson after his loss. Um, his, you know, it's one thing to just maybe be physically beaten down, but this is a promo where he admitted that he was mentally broken by MJF. You know, it's it to me like put over MJF far stronger than I think simply, I don't know, being stretchered out would have. Here is a guy who was beaten up so badly that he made the choice to retire, even though he physically fought so hard to come back. I thought Brian conveyed this amazingly. And I think just the, the play itself to have him, you know, exit in this fashion works out for in so many ways works out for uh, mjf and certainly works out for the bcc so a wonderful write-off and um i can see him like no longer being a part of the bcc when he comes back i could see him being the guy to disagree with with their their philosophy yeah different directions you can you can go with them 
But the remaining BCC members on camera are John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and they've got Wheeler Yuta with them for the match against the Dark Order. So when this match got announced the other day, I definitely thought it was curious that you're putting John Moxley on television right after this Texas death match. But I was like, okay, let's let's see how this plays out, because that could be a big story of the match. He comes out, and this is not a case of them ignoring the Texas death match. It was prominent with the pain, the hangman promo and throughout the commentary here. But he comes out and like I just thought it it did somewhat like diminish the Texas death match. Like, here's the guy that lost this brutal match. He's hung and and in this match, like he's not he's not affected by it. He's strong and winning this. Obviously, they're going this new direction with him, but I did feel it jarring from what we just saw Sunday, and he's back, and he's, like, he had, like, less damage on him than Hangman did. Yeah, he did. Um, I've, I understand the complaint, and I feel like in, in many cases, I, I would, like, jump on t- onto that argument as well. In this instance, I didn't really feel that way, and I think it's because, for me, the Texas Deathmatch was much more of a... Uh, you know, it it was a very physical battle, but as far as like the loss goes, that was much more of of sort of like a a loss of pride. You know, like this was a long standing feud between these two, both men who completely refused to die. But especially in somebody somebody like a John Moxley losing in that fashion, you know, the guy who who kind of preaches violence and abs- absolute domination when he tapped out to a move, like I. It, it's yeah, identical it's, to Danielson. Like they're both, they both tapped yeah. and one's ashamed of it. And the other, it was like he, the tap wasn't even really brought up in this. But I think it, to me, it came across in the way he like wrestled this match. He wrestled this match like a guy who was like so ashamed that he did that, that he's going to take it out on the smallest guy. He felt like a bully to me, the type of bully who, you know, like might've had some issue at home and is taking out on, taking it out on a poor victim. You know, they're like, whichever version of like, you know, an, a silver and a Reynolds that they might find, you know, in, in a locker room, he felt like a bully that was taking out his frustrations and his aggression on somebody weaker than him. And I, for that reason, I felt like he did sell it. It was just far more subtle than just, you know, selling an injury, though. Did it have to be this week? Could we have done this? I just, to me, it was just the proximity to the death match. I think he could have done this exact uh, portrayal and have all of this, like, baggage from tapping out that you're going this direction now. It gives him that motivation. Did it have to be this week of all weeks? I guess I didn't have an issue with it because he seems like the John Moxley character seems to be the type that wants to immediately avenge this. You know, he's so bothered by it that he can't sit at home. And and again, like we've seen this guy like take a lot of damage, like in his matches, you know, week to week to week. And um, but he's never had to tap before. He's never been taken to this limit be- before. To, to me, well, it's but, just like this should have been a different type of beating um, for a John I, Moxley. Well, to, but a tap is 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 a submission. Like he walked away from from the arena. You know, he he, he was being hung. Out. Yeah, but that was momentary, and that's why he tapped to escape it. Like he wasn't stretchered out. It wasn't like you know that type of injury. I can understand people wanting like that sort of thing, but I, for me, this worked because of the John Moxley character. <laughs> There is an ability that whenever Danielson comes back, if you are going to split him away, that is the fracturing point of here we had both of us. We tapped on the same night. You, I came back and was immediately on that dynamite right after, and you went home like a coward. Totally. 
yeah, and that's absolutely. their reason to break up. So you can you could certainly go and, and bring that up, and and I, I just think like for a t- this Texas death match, you want to make this your most violent match. That w- the next time a Texas death did. match occurs, I just you're right. Like it was, I think it's going to be remembered as such. I I just think like there there should be. I wanted a bit more tonight in terms of just the, beyond just the um, the the psychological scars, also like the physical toll it took. Yeah, yeah. I I suppose like I I kind of appreciate this like fresh way of selling, you know, something like a Texas Death Match versus like you know just sitting out. I would have been pissed off if Christian sh- sold, uh, showed up tonight after being buried in a casket match that almost kind of feels to me like it's more meant to be like a final type of thing whereas like the texas death match to me felt like still like an athlete like like a competition and and it's just embarrassing to lose or or you know significantly embarrassing to lose especially for your john moxley (laughs) that's how we should have ended dynamite just out on a uh, in in a graveyard and the arm comes through (laughs) christian like a zombie christian shows up zombie christian no blue dot blue dot uh oh my god (laughs) With a mustache. Um, next, uh, so the, the the match begins with a dark order against Moxley and Castagnoli, and it's just pure aggression from the BCC. Uh, Claudio misses a knee in the corner, landing on the floor. They had cut off the ring with Reynolds for a time. Then Silver gets the tag, and he's caught in a triangle. But then Silver gift wraps uh, Moxley, and he's d- delivering knees. And Moxley then gets out, applies a choke, half and half suplex onto Reynolds, and then applies a Darce choke that he has now added to his repertoire, submitting Reynolds in 10 minutes and 27 seconds. But after the match ends, he then puts on a rear naked choke Claudio is stopping Rick Knox from getting involved Silver tries to help and they're just beating down on the Dark Order Bulldog choke on Reynolds Evil Uno runs down to attack so Yuta chop blocks Evil Uno from behind so now you know it's not just uh, Moxley snapping after the match it's Yuta is being a, a coward by chop blocking him from behind so Hangman runs down and everyone goes wild and he decks Claudio who pops back with a European uppercut. The whole crowd is chanting, let them fight. And it appears to be uh, Hangman not done with Moxley as he has backed up his uh, Dark Order buddies. But you're right. Like, you know, Hangman was physically selling more of the injuries. He had the black eye. He was coming down, running, running down with a limp as well. Um, and maybe that's kind of their way of like, you know, uh, balancing the s- scale, so to speak. You know, have have Hangman be the one um, end up with the, the the victory in the record books. But Moxley, you know, came out of this even more motivated and angry. Um, I wasn't expecting them to continue this in any sort of fashion. I mean, that Texas Deathmatch felt about as final as I think uh, of a match as you could have. Um, this seems like it's at least going to create a bit of a faction war or at least, a, I don't know, maybe a trios match or, or something on, yeah. on their own. Um, and is it, is that it? Like, is that, is that how these two will, you know, is this just sort of like an, almost an epilogue to the hangman Moxley feud? Yeah. Like, I, I don't think you certainly need to go beyond the, the trios match, but that's obviously a match that they're, they're going to do in, in the next coming weeks. And you are like coming out of this show, like you see a bunch of different trios now that are in play that can also Mm -hmm. double in your tag division with, with some of the the pairings as well. So, um, you, you have created that too. Yeah, yeah. I thought, I mean, tonight was significant because you finally had Moxley also join in on a full heel turn for the BCC, and I thought it was all really well done. You know, the the way it's been built, I think, has felt very organic and felt very natural. The BCC have always had that hard edge to them, and 
after losing the, you know, embarrassing fashion, tapping out the Texas death match. I think it gave Mox great motivation to, you know, dive deeper into the dark side you know, of the force here with, with the BCC. And it's to me, like there's, it doesn't feel like there's any sort of like sh- sudden shift in personality, everything you can completely justify in terms of a character. So I thought this was really strong. I love the fact that he's like brought the Darce choke in right now as well. It's just such a, it's a move you could do on anybody. It's quick and it's just vicious. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Renee interviewed the acclaimed, and they're on the road back to the tag titles, and it starts tonight in Scissormento. Parker and Menard walk in, and they love rap music too, and that the acclaimed are sports entertainers at heart and want them to join the group, and they just laugh this off and note that we get more television time than you do, and everyone's amused by this offer by Menard and Parker. Rampage, Friday night, Sammy Guevara against Action Andretti. Kanosuke Takeshita against Preston Vance, Riho versus Nyla Rose, and the acclaimed will be in action. Next week in Winnipeg, it's Cassidy and Jarrett for the international title, the House of Black, Elite, and JAS for the trios belts, and the Rebar Mitzvah for MJF. Yes. All right. Main event. Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs falls count anywhere for the TNT Championship. It starts in the back, and I don't know whose rental this was. But this car got destroyed in the process. They must have got insurance. I hope so. Uh, Hobbs uses the sonic ring as a weapon. Wardlow sent into the car door. Then Hobbs just heaves this steel canister that busts the window. And then they fight on the hood of the car with Hobbs taking a back body drop onto the windshield. This is a big dude to be taking a bump onto a windshield. Yeah, yeah. Um, I... It, hopefully it hurt less if if you're big than if you're somebody small and taking this bump. Hopefully no Goldberg fans that insisted that it be legit glass yeah. on the car. Always mm-hmm. a good lesson to learn from Bill. Hobbs, uh, they after the break, they make their way into the ring, and Hobbs pops up from a spine buster, hits his own, so Wardlow pops up. The crowd just wants tables. So Hobbs hits a pair of more spine busters, and Hobbs sets up a table on the floor. Wardlow spits water in his face, places Hobbs on the table, and Wardlow proceeds to hit a swanton off the top through the table on the floor that was a spectacular-looking spot. Then he power bombs Hobbs onto the ramp, but after delivering this power bomb, Wardlow goes down and he's like clutching his his midsection. I don't know what he did here, but it looked like he put all of it into trying to power bomb this dude on the ramp. So they make their way up, and uh, we are about to see Wardlow power bomb Hobbs off the stage when he's nailed from behind with a chair, and it is the man behind QTV, not to be confused with GTV. It's QT Marshall. So, so what is QTV? I, I haven't been keeping up. Like, it's his, ver- his version of GTV? Yes, pretty much. And where, where, like, where does this air? Uh, Dark? I, I think so, yeah. Okay. That's, this, is, this is the reveal of QTV. And, and so Taz was saying, oh, QT Marshall, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's a man of oh, his word. He's always told uh, Hobbs that he's got his back. 
And this, I, this goes back to the Ricky Starks program. So listen, what? you really need a memory to put this all back together of this feud and QT promising Hobbs that he would have his back, uh, in the Starks program, but this is, yeah, that's how they were tying it in. Great. So like um, some, some one-off like backstage interaction where QT mentioned this is uh, sure. Whatever. Like all they have to do is play the footage and, and sure they, they, they need a reason. And okay. Fine. They had to, they had to cut that promo and then they had to seal the result months in advance. So they had to do this <laughs> on the state. So he kicks him low, nails Wardlow with another chair shot, and then they lift up Wardlow and dump him off the stage onto the world's most dangerous crash pad. And the referee counts to 10. Hobbs is the winner, new TNT champion, and uh, QT delivered on his promise to Hobbs. Man of his word. Yes, yes, we were all wondering. Hey, I, first of all, the match. You know, you, we we had all kind of said, like, these two needed this match to be spectacular um, so that people would be talking about it. And I thought they did a great job. The idea to do it as almost like a big, you know, backstage kaiju fight with two guys that are as big as they are falling through car, um, cars and, uh, you know, uh, guys doing like sent, like a Wardlow doing a sent on. I thought, I thought it was great. I thought they did a really great job with a, you know, a match that, that we don't often see in AEW. Um the finish, I think, is going to sour a lot of people. You know, for one thing, QT Marshall is somebody who is firmly kind of seen as a jobber. Um, and to pair him, to inject him in with with like um, Hobbs, like can be perceived as a as a step down. Although I'm kind of willing to see what sort of dynamic that they have. I also don't know if like having him be such play such a big part in Hobbs winning helped. The credibility of of a guy that's kind of just starting back up like a Hobbs as well. Um, what did you think, John? Uh, I, I wasn't crazy about about the ending of it. Um, you know, it was I, I think for both it was it, for me, it, it did some like here you have Hobbs that is going to be super over for the, this a pretty hot Sacramento crowd. I thought for that reason, they spent way too much time in the back. I thought you could have you know, fed off that crowd a lot, a lot of more. it was the commercial though. You know, they had to get through the commercial and then by the time they came back from commercial was when they, then they got in, but it was, yeah. it was a fair amount. And once they got out, like the, the, the like the swanton off the table, like that was just a spectacular spot. A lot of the stuff like they did, they, given the, the size of these two, like, I, I don't think it was a disappointing match by, by any stretch, but yeah, certainly the ending, I, I don't mind Hobbs winning the title. In fact, you know, it was a chance to like the short title reign is whatever. Um, but yeah, it is the the QT involvement that um, is going to be a bit of a damper for some. And ultimately, where is Wardlow after this? Like this is someone he's not this red hot character that can just lose willy nilly and mm-hmm. he's going to be fine. He's still going to be over. He's still a question mark to me and he's cooled off significantly. And to lose here, if this just means a program with QT or continuing with Hobbs like we'll see we'll see where this goes but it's it's hardly like Wardlow is in this secure spot either yeah I almost though feel like it's better to you know put all your chips into Hobbs at this point than than Wardlow and uh, you wonder if like this was always the plan um if if they saw Hobbs reaction last week and maybe made this decision I'm I'm not really sure but I'm I'm excited about this for Hobbs I question the idea of pairing a manager with him because I think the guy has shown that he could talk for himself 
and having a manager, as we've seen in these sort of AEW pairings, just kind of limits the amount of promos that that they could cut, especially you know somebody who has such a I don't know diminished status as a, as a QT Marshall. So, but I'm I'm willing to at least you know wait to see what their promo sounds like, what sort of dynamic they have. I also have a lot of concerns about where Wardlow goes from this. Um, yeah, yeah, because it's like it's it it's very apparent like where he went from double or nothing to you know throughout the rest of the year it was like they they lost a lot of steam with him and um yeah and what 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 this ultimately does but yeah that was the show that was to me the the highlight of the show was the uh the all atlantic i'm sorry international title match what what could we call tonight i guess it's still an all atlantic championship match tonight next week is the final defense isn't it that's right and then the new chance is it a new lineage as well does it continue from the all atlantic lineage what's happening here is this you like when the ask. iwgp title changed uh, you know i'm sure tony khan has a has a uh, an explanation for that i i don't know we have a super chat here from john taylor thank you very much john taylor for sending 20 bucks and why 20 dollars i'm sending post wrestling the 20 dollars <laughs> i saved by using nordvpn.com to travel in quotation marks to Mexico to watch AEW revolution. So clearly plenty of people already discovering the benefits of NordVPN, nordvpn.com slash post wrestling, everybody. Um, try it out 30 days. Check it out. All right, let's get into some feedback before we wind things down. Johnny writes, Strange, usually for me at least, AEW starts off strong in the first hour, weaker the second, but I love that second hour this week and actually got me to stick to the episode. Glad the All-Atlantic title is being changed to the international title. Like seeing BCC solidifying his heels, I wonder how the main event would have turned out if Wardlow didn't have his gear stolen. I usually don't like short title reigns like that, but I love putting the belt on Powerhouse. Uh, all right, so there, there you have it. Yeah, I, I guess, like, I don't necessarily love them either, but because it feels like they don't do them so often, like, this one felt like a positive, and because I think I'm more, I'm personally more excited about a Hobbs reign than I am a, a, a Wardlow reign at this point, that I I enjoyed the title change as well. Uh, let's go to Brian from New Jersey, who says, Best episode in weeks, thanks to some good formatting and focus on new directions, likely helps in coming out of a pay-per-view and having a clean slate for things. Good wrestling as usual, bookended by two good title matches and a reprieve from Battle Royals. Fantastic promos from Brian Danielson and FTR. Steve, Ruby turning heel sucks. It comes off as so unnatural. She always had crowd support. She came in as the disgruntled WWE superstar that was happy to have left, so joining this outsider group doesn't fit. I would say even if that is your um, read of the character, it's yes, she did come in with, with that attitude, and yet it was the the audience that uh, rejected her in several key moments um, that that she brought up as well. Like this was not something that was her plot from day one. This was something that was a gradual um, turn for her that culminated in the loss on Sunday. At the same time, she's finally getting TV time. So who knows? Found out that MJF shares a birthday with my grandson who turns four next Wednesday. Not to mention Max is only a year younger than my oldest son. Excited for Winnipeg Dynamite. Um, there you have it. Mm -hmm. I chuckled here just because uh, Seren said, if you... If you want to know if if the All Atlantic lineage continues, you have to watch Shazam: Theory of the Gods. So. They'll let you know in the uh, the third act. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Cody from Maine, who says, while not a home run all timer dynamite uh, that 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 a lot of people were hoping for following Sunday's event, I still found this to be an entertaining two hours. Nearly every match from Revolution saw follow up in some shape or form. Jack Perry and Christian being the lone exception. 
and they certainly went out of the way to establish new directions moving forward, especially with the heels on the roster. Standing out in particular are the two polarizing heels who began and ended the night, Jeff Jarrett and QT Marshall. I understand the negative opinions some have of them, but at the end of the day, they consistently generate the negative reaction that they're looking for. Perhaps it's a fine line between good heat and go-away heat. Thanks, as always, for the show. Jordan from the Bronx. This week's episode was very strong in-ring as well as on promos. Cassidy is performing at a ridiculous clip. The BCC full heel turn is going to be a lot of fun. And the booking of the Triple Threat Trios match is madness. Ruby's promo started with the eye-rolling you people trope, but unlike others, she had actual proof to back her gripes. I remember being in the crowd at Grand Slam, confused why the crowd was booing her as well. Danielson and MJF were outstanding promos as well. Hobbs and Wardlow felt like Godzilla, a Godzilla giant monster battle. The QT run-in took me out of it, though. I liked Hobbs being by himself as the big bad wolf i vaguely remember a very loose connection with qt marshall months ago but that wasn't enough for me to truly like the end of the match i love hobbs winning just not how it happened a great show overall and winnipeg next week looks like it's going to be fun if there's like if, if other people share that sort of you know feeling from jordan and, and myself i think they just should just have hobbs beat the shit out of qt next week and just go off on his own you know I I really do think he's shown like enough uh, capacity as a promo to be able to handle it, but we'll see. We'll see where they go. Let's go to Sal from California who says, I was at the show live tonight. It was my first time taking my kids to a wrestling show and it was a blast watching my son react to everything. My favorite match of the night was actually from dark elevation. Jack cartwheel wrestled Brian cage and cartwheel stole the show. The arena was buzzing for a lot of the high flying moves. He did. I recommend anyone check out the match. If you have the time, yeah, Jack, Jack Cartwheel was on the, uh, the the dark tapings that aired on Tuesday. I had a great match with uh, Kanosuke Takeshita as well. So uh, very curious if he is going to – he's obviously on their radar. And, uh, yeah, it uh, sounds like another great performance this week. FTR promo was another highlight for me. I'm happy to see them back and hope we get a lengthy tag run for tag title run for FTR. The crowd was hot for Will Hobbs all night, and everyone seemed pretty surprised when QT ran out to help. After Dynamite went off the air, Hobbs grabbed the mic and turned heel on Sacramento saying he couldn't wait to leave for Oakland. Oh, man. Oh, man. Overall, it was a fun show live. We ducked up before Rampage so I could get the kids to bed early. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, always great to get a uh, live feedback. And uh, there you have it, uh, a match to maybe check out with Jack Cartwheel and Brian Cage. Uh, but that's going to bring an end to the show. So thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, Want to make note that up on the site right now, uh, Andrew Thompson just posting a story that, according to Tokyo Sports, Saray is going to be departing WWE after her contract expires. And then she'll be heading back to Japan to resume her in-ring career with her first match back in Japan scheduled for May 16th at an event titled Sarayism at Shinjuku Face in Tokyo. There you have it. Not right. the most not not the most memorable uh, WWE run for uh Saray. Yeah, yeah, kind of um unfortunate um uh you know, um doesn't always work out. Um and, and you know there might be other uh reasons when when somebody you know has to leave their their home um country and and live in a completely different you know foreign country um also Mark Briscoe announced that there will be a reach for the sky ladder match to crown the new r o h world tag team champions at supercard of honor in l a Lucha brothers are the first team announced okay 
Yes, and episode two of Ring of Honor is airing Thursday. Uh, it's another marathon slate of matches. I think it's like nine matches, including three title matches. They're doing Samoa Joe and Tony Deppin, Athena against Willow Nightingale, and then Wheeler Yuta is defending the Pure Championship on the show. Uh, Eddie Kingston has a match, so uh, we'll try and catch some of that over uh, the next day or so. But that's going to be it for us. Again, Thursday, we will have our latest Drive to Survive episode at postwrestlingcafe.com. Go going through episodes four, five, and six from the latest season. And then Friday night live minutes after Rampage with Rewind to SmackDown. So that is it for us. Thanks to everyone for joining us on Rewind to Dynamite.